0: As green Sally down, last un-scorched at her tail is brown. Green Sally up, as green Sally down, last un-scorched at her tail is brown. Green
1: Sally up, down. Man, this one was just all about that pit crew and Alex Bowman on the racetrack today. Checkered flag in the air. Alex Bowman gets his fourth career
0: victory, winning the Drydeen 400. You got a pit crew. You won that race, not me.
1: Hell yeah.
0: Yeah. Second win of the year, second driver with more than one victory in 2021.
1: Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got such a fun episode for you this week because we're taking a look back at a really good week from a gambling standpoint looking ahead at a new track and we've got a really fun conversation coming up. So Dover, we're going to take a look back at that. Hendrick dominance, we'll talk about it a little bit and then discuss our bets because it went really well for us last week. Bit of a a rebound, I guess you could say, from the the dud the week before. So we will uh, definitely take a quick victory lap there. And then Coda is coming up a road course on the schedule the first time they've gone here. So we're going to break this down as best we can, talk about you know strategy for looking at the different stats and things like that, try to pick out our typical picks, winners, top tens, and head-to-heads all going to be included in this week's episode, and uh, yeah, look at past road courses to try to determine who we like. And then at the end, a fun conversation, because I'm viewing this week as an opportunity to potentially convert an F1 fan into a NASCAR fan whether that's through gambling or just viewing the race we talk with our resident F1 fan Frank F1 Frank I guess you could call him and that's going to be at the end of the episode so if you're interested in hearing about that the another racing fans perspective on uh, the racing world and see if they'd be interested in NASCAR tune in for that at the end so let's look back at Dover gleefully because, like I said, did very well. But let's talk about the the race itself. Hendrick, I mentioned, dominating first time in, like, 50 years or something like that that a team had one through four finishers. I mean, that's just unbelievable, the fact that they were able to pull that off. And it wasn't just one guy. I mean, Larson... I guess you could potentially say that the five-team blew it. I mean, they were dominating. They won the first two stages. It definitely looked like that they were going to win the race. But then Pit Road got them, and that 48 car jumped out in front and was able to hold it. So I guess while I'm saying that Larson didn't exactly blow it himself, it's just another one of those second-place finishes, and that has to get to them. But the, the Hendrick camp overall – Was strong. It really didn't matter who was out front because when Larson was out front, Chase had a really strong car, and he got up close to him but couldn't pass him for the lead. And the same thing was happening at the end when Bowman was out front and Larson was trying to take the lead from him. It just goes to show you that that Hendrick group kind of had it going on, and when you had that clean air, you had that first-place position, they were able to hold it. So across the board, got to give props to them. William Byron, another top 10. We were all over that pick. Um, as we will be on this episode, spoiler alert, um, talking about our bets, we had three different parlays hit. Had them out there on Instagram at Full Tank Fill in the Insta stories. Definitely give that a look on race day because we're hot right now. Three different parlays. Our podcast picks, what I usually break down at the head head section towards the end of the pod, they went three for three. I mean that that's a Beautiful feeling when we spend the time to break those down. It turns out like that. So that parlay hit. Then we had a back of the pack parlay where I saw a bunch of options on race day of some guys that typically aren't up front. Called it the backpack parlay. That hit. And then the top 10 parlay that I did call out on the podcast uh, of kind of heavy favorites to finish in the top 10 that hit as well so just big money all around and if larson had you know gotten that lead back and one that would have been an absolute monster payday um with the payout from the the winner but still coming out very much on top with all of those big money hits there so feeling very very good about the the way that unfolded so dover we were uh very happy for you now the the Jeff Gluck, was it a good race poll, said it was a 68% people out there said it was a good race. And I think maybe I'm just, you know, looking at it with some heart eyes, I guess, because of the way the bets unfolded. But um, some people maybe they don't like Hendrick Motorsports. I don't know. Uh, But that was typically higher on the list compared to other Dover races. So I guess it was a a decent race for a, a Dover race. Uh, I would say it was a little bit better than Darlington, which was a complete snooze fest, but it lost out in the the Jeff Gluck poll there to Darlington. So I'm a little confused there, but in any case, good race for us. So who gives a shit about that poll? Then before we move on completely to Coda and talk about this brand new racetrack, just have to mention breaking news over the last 24 hours here. Brad Keselowski in the Penske camp. My goodness. A lot of people are saying now kind of in retrospect that they were kind of feeling this. But uh, Brad, there is news out there that he's going to be not renewing his contract at Penske and moving to Roush to take on a driver ownership type of role. Similar to what Tony Stewart had when he was racing the 14 car at Stuart Haas. I would assume it's going to be structured like that and, and play out like that. So, so many things about this that need to kind of fall based on this initial report. It's not 100% confirmed, but it's very much expected that this is going to be the case. So, I mean, the, the first thought that I have is, you know, why? Why would he do this? But it seems like, you know, people are really putting a lot of stock in the next gen car being more even. So, It's kind of even the playing field. You get a driver like Brad into a a team that's been down recently. It kind of, you know, really evens it up. So that could be one reason. Obviously, money is a factor. But we'll see how the rest of it shakes out. I mean, what happens to Ryan Newman, you know, who fills the the two-car seat? What I'm looking at right now, the here and the now for this week, is the gambling implications. Distractions is all I see in that two-car. I can't imagine that... I'm going to be able to place a bet on him with full confidence just because he's going to be bombarded at the racetrack the fact that we've got practice and qualifying they're going to be there for multiple days instead of a a one show day like they've had for most of the season that's another factor i mean he's just going to be sworn by media for multiple days now taking up his time talking about this having to potentially confirm this news And it's going to take him away from this brand new racetrack that he's going to have to learn. I'd have to imagine that it's going to be mentally draining. So from a gambling standpoint, I'm going to have to avoid the two-car to win the race for sure. But even in maybe head-to-head matchups, I think he's going up against Logano again. We hit on that last week. I'm not going to call that out specifically later, but I'm kind of leaning that way right now. So distractions galore in the two-car camp. So, big news nonetheless, and it is fun to kind of see this silly season stuff play out, but we will move on to Circuit of the Americas, CODA. It's in Austin, Texas. This is the first time NASCAR has ever gone here, and I love this strategy by NASCAR. We're going to kind of talk about it a little bit with F1 Frank in our conversation at the end of the podcast about the similarities and differences between F1 and NASCAR but this is a track that F1 goes to. Uh up until this year it was the only track in the United States that F1 used. And so now NASCAR seeing the success recently of the road courses, the addition of the roval, the Daytona road course that everyone seems to love, they've now added seven road courses onto the schedule and this is a brand new one. So What do we know about it? Well, it's 3.41 miles around. There's 20 different turns, I believe. And we got a chance to hear from three different drivers who got a chance to test in March. It was Kozlowski, actually, uh, Truex for the Toyota Camp and Chase Elliott for the Chevy Camp. So one for each manufacturer there. And the comments that they had were pretty telling. I mean, they said this is one of the fastest road courses that they will have on the track, the speeds jump from 30 miles per hour to 185 and back down. So that's pretty you know, impressive and, and interesting to look for. Truex was talking about how there's a ton of blind spots with the elevation changes and there's a huge learning curve around it. So that's why practice is now going to be a thing this week. NASCAR is implementing that. So it's going to be something for the drivers to learn pretty quickly, but it's also going to be for the gamblers as well. The The picks that we're talking about on this podcast, this episode, I'm going to be putting in ahead of time, but I'm also really going to be paying attention to practice to see if there's anybody else that stands out that I want to, you know, put money down on, or if any of my previous picks are really overperforming, maybe doubling down and throwing additional bets down after. Um, so yeah, practice and qualifying, they're back. I mean, Truex was talking about how there's a potential for like six wide going into turn one, like Pocono, which is very fun to think about. So that's kind of all we really got out of them. I mean, they they had some comments. They talked about how it's going to be tough. And, you know, we'll have to see how, how they handle this racetrack. So as far as our look at this from a stat standpoint, trying to be able to predict winners, I'm looking at all of road courses, about eight to nine total races in the past when I'm looking at the stats to try to project who we like this week. And there's a few different sites out there that allow you to aggregate all of those things. So that's what we're looking at when I'm throwing these stats out there. It's it's Daytona Road Course, the Roval, Watkins Glen, and Sonoma, two courses that we did not go to last year. So throwing all those out there, just full transparency, when I'm ripping off these stats, that's what we're talking about. So The strategy for this week, I mean, we've got qualifying on Sunday, so there's not going to be a lot of time between uh, qualifying and uh, the race to be able to throw your bets in because most sites take the bets down when qualifying is happening. So you're going to want to look at it and try to put your bets in maybe after practice if they pop back up again. But for the most part, look for putting those bets in beforehand, even though you're kind of blind a little bit. So the strategy, well, first, let's take a look at track stats because... You know, even though it's not a a typical racetrack where we've got a lot of data to go off of, looking at 73 races all time on the road courses combined, the winner has started on the pole 15 times. The last time it happened was Watkins Glen, Chase Elliott in 2019. And then the rest is pretty standard. Top five, the winner started there uh, 56% of the time and top 10, 71% of the time. Nothing out of the ordinary there. That's kind of par for the course. The one thing to take into consideration, though, is starting outside of the top 20, it's only happened two times, and they both happened at Sonoma back-to-back years. So that's something that kind of stands out to worry about after qualifying. If you're throwing these bets in ahead of time, you're kind of crossing your fingers that your guys don't qualify outside of the top 20 because it seems to be a pretty tough pill to swallow. And handle that so as far as manufacturers concern it's really been a good mix looking at the different racetracks there's not really a, a dominant manufacturer on road courses so i mean we know about chase we're going to talk about him but you know chevy outside of him hasn't been dominant across the board i mean we've got guys in each manufacturer that have standout so we like that it, it really opens a door for all sorts of chaos so my strategy this week i'm kind of looking at A bunch of different options. Talk about chalk, talk about long shots, and and everything in between. Um, So let's get to winners. I have to start with Chase Elliott. His odds are ridiculous. But I remember late last year and going into the Daytona road course, I have been on record saying that I'm going to take Chase Elliott in these road course races until he gives me a reason not to. And despite the fact that he's a heavy favorite and you know, past Phil would probably cringe at this. I don't see a reason not to take him other than that. Now, if it dips below, right now it's plus 250. If it dips below that, like William Hill, I think I saw uh, Jordan McAbee tweet out, they've got him at like plus 150. Forget about that. That's that's too much, I think. That's like Kyle Busch truck race numbers. Um, but And we saw on the Daytona road course this year that anything can happen. So, 250 though i think it's still doable um it makes sense to me his actions over the last two years or so just make that doable for you i mean four straight wins up until that daytona road course and he finished second at the clash earlier this year so he finished 22 or 21st at daytona road course this year but you know he was a factor in that race i mean it, it kind of got shuffled back and and got in a little bit of trouble towards the end and He was a factor for the first few stages, so it's definitely uh, not something to frown on when you see that finish. His driver rating compared to everyone on all road courses is first, 125. Average running position is second, 6.7, and his average finish is third compared to everyone, 8.5. His stats are unreal. I mean, there's not much you can really do if you're trying to poo-poo on Chase and say reasons not to take him. Other than the odds, there's nothing there. His his fastest laps, sixteen point one percent of the laps that he's run on road courses were the fastest lap. That's first compared to everyone. So what what can you say? I mean, new courses on top of it, you know, you look at how they threw the roval at them and they threw Daytona Road course at them. That has not been a problem for Chase. He won the Daytona Road course in his first time there, and he won the roval a second time there. So introducing Coda is not a problem. So this year, he seems to be coming on strong at the right time. I mean, we mentioned Hendrick being great last week, and and Chase has been, you know, in the mix, not really competing for the win, but you know, looking back at Darlington, it was really like competing for like sixth or seventh. Uh, the week before that, he had a shot at the win. I think it was Kansas. Uh, he he went for it. I guess you could say he sent it. But you know, he's he's not terrible. So it feels like he's in the right areas in the right realm to finally go out and, and get his first victory and I think a lot of people assumed that he was going to dominate these road courses. So I'll, I'll throw that out there plus 250 and the other thing is a lot of these sports books have free bets going on right now. I know Draftkings has a couple different free options. There's a, a basketball situation where it's basically free money um, if you put that bet in and they gave out a free bet last week for the anniversary of it gambling being legal. So look to see if you've got any free bets built up or free money coming your way, because that's the type of thing that I throw money down on these like short odds uh, in NASCAR. I had a free bet last week, threw it on Truex. Um, this is the same thing here. I mean, 25 free bucks, just throw it down on on Chase here and, and maybe add a little bit more to it after the fact. But look for some free money to throw here because it would uh, be better. And then he's got a head-to-head matchup against Truex, who we're not really going to touch on most of the time here, but... Truex is right up there when we're looking at all these stats. And this is a great matchup. Chase is a dominant uh, minus 182 to Truex's plus 135 underdog here. So if you wanted to fade Chase, here's your way to do it. Just go head-to-head with Truex because that's a a big-time number there if you're a Truex fan and you think Chase is just not up for the test this weekend. Um, Both these guys were at the test, so there's nothing to be uh, saying one guy has an advantage over the other there. But uh, like I said, I like Chase to win the race this weekend. So now we'll move on to someone who's a little bit further out. And I I think, you know, outside of Chase, him being plus 250 really makes these other guys deep in the field or deep, no, maybe not too deep in the field, give you great odds. And I'm looking at Joey Logano plus 1800 when I'm saying that. He's a guy that you're not really going to see that number next to, but because it's so heavy on Chase and Truex right behind him that these other guys, there's a huge cliff. Everyone drops off and, and moves down the list. So um, I am looking at Logano here to maybe be a guy to, to steal one because this season has just been a, a season of steals. When you're looking at the winners in the various racetracks, the things that seem like they should happen have not. So that's really uh, where we're going with this one here. So Penske is down right now. They've been kind of slow and not really a factor in these races the last month or so. At the beginning of the season, it seemed like they were the the team to beat. Um, All three of their guys have wins, but it's just now they're not. So do you buy the dip? That's what I'm doing this weekend. I'm kind of taking advantage of Joey Logano being this uh, long in the odds here so i'm buying the dip at plus 1800. now his stats do not jump out at you and that's probably why he's more of a risky play all right average finish is 14th overall 14.9 in eight races his average running position is 15th compared to everyone it's 15.3 and his driver rating is 15th as well 82.2 so those numbers don't really stand out to you but if you look a little bit further He's been sneaky good over the last five races, if you include the Clash, all of which have been top 10 finishes. And then if you just focus on the last three races, he had a second-place finish, a third-place finish, and a second-place finish over his last three road courses. That's impressive. He won Watkins Glen going further back in his career. At, you know, That's a big course to take down, especially when we're talking about a, a brand-new road course. We're going to talk about a little bit further when we get to the top 10 section, but Then you look at the intangibles, Penske drama going on with Kozlowski. Maybe this is an advantage for the 22 car to kind of be like, oh, look what's going on over there. Don't worry about me and and sneaking up there and and snagging this. That's just, you know, using that distraction on the other team uh, in their camp to an advantage for yourself, you know, focusing inward. And then the other thing is Kyle Busch was on a podcast last week talking shit on Logano, saying that he's two-faced and I, you know. I don't really love either one of those two guys um, from a you know fan perspective, but from a gambling standpoint, I can get behind someone who's got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So great odds, chip on your shoulder, sneaky good recently. Those are all a good recipe for success here. Plus 1,800 for Logano. Then the the third guy I'm going to go with here is well, somebody we've called out many times this year, but I think it makes sense this week as well. It's Denny Hamlin. Plus 1,000 is what you're getting Hamlin at this year. And the thing that jumps out to me is JGR was so good at the Daytona Road Course earlier in this year, and people seem to be forgetting this. I mean, plus 1,000 is just a monster odd right there for Denny Hamlin because of how good that team was. And, you know, it would make total sense for Hamlin, who had so many wins last year on all of the you know, intermediate tracks and and regular tracks you could say with the wackiness of this season it would just make total sense that he would go and get his first win on a road course so the one of the things that was funny to me is jordan Maccabee, frequent guest of our show we mentioned him earlier he is a big time denny hater and he actually calls him dennis which is very funny on all of his tweets but even he tweeted out that this was a good value for Denny Hamlin at plus 1,000, 10 to 1. He's the third best option. So that just goes to show you how heavy the chalk is this week. So if you look at Hamlin's numbers in his last nine races, no wins, but four top fives, five top tens. Driver rating is fifth, 95.2. Average finish is fourth on the circuit, 9.3. Average running position is also fifth. So um, looking at his, you know, 2021 road course performance, he finished third earlier at the – the road course this year, six in the clash. And he finished second in the Daytona road course last year. So he is not a a schmuck here. I mean, he can get it done. He won Watkins Glen in 2016. And if you look at his last five points paying races, he has four top five finishes. So if you want to say, hey, JGR was strong earlier in this year, this is the guy that I'm choosing at 10 to 1, plus 1,000. This makes total sense. The odds are there for Denny Hamlin to go and get it done finally this year. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing boys. Next up, we're not calling it the prop section this week because it's just top tens going to keep it pretty quick and concise this week in this area. Um, we're going to look at three different options for top 10 picks and going back to the well on a couple of them and a, a new guy for the last one. But before we do that, we got to keep it up with our Parlay. This is only available on FanDuel. I'm not trying to jock FanDuel or anything like that, but they're the only ones that are giving this option to us and been taking advantage of it. We've hit um, the last two races. So the, the strategy here, if you're new to us, is trying to call out on a, on a typical basis you're not going to take somebody like a Chase Elliott to finish in the top 10 in a race like this because his odds are just astronomical to be able to do so. But FanDuel is allowing us to parlay a bunch of guys together to get us to a spot that the odds are in your favor. So the goal here is to take guys that seem to be absolute locks to finish in the top 10, and then you get a good value. So the guys we're we're taking this week, I mean, I got to take Truex and I got to take Chase. Those two guys... You know, it's it's 1 and 1A, it seems like, on road courses. And then after that, I'm going to go back to the Kevin Harvick well, because, you know, he's a guy who hasn't won this year. He's hungry. But looking at road course performance in his career, looking at the last nine races, really, he's got seven top tens in the last nine road course races. Actually, all three of these guys have seven top tens. So 21 top tens between the three of them in a total of, 27 total races. I mean, that's an absolutely monster percentage. So, hey, I'm thinking they're all going to go out and get number eight. And that value, if you group them up, put them in a parlay, it'll be plus 168. Very good value there. There's a, you know, Harvick is a little bit further down the odds list. You got guys ahead of him like Kyle Busch, like Kyle Larson, which you could easily throw those guys in. But if you're just looking at People who are able to finish in the top 10 recently, these are the three guys that stand out to me, and they're at the top of the stat list. So I'm locking it in plus 168 on FanDuel. Let's see if we can keep it going, keep that streak alive. So now let's talk about individual drivers finishing in the top 10. Because there's so much chalk and everything's heavy on the two top guys, you are going to get some decent value on some of the players in the game that, you know. Have a very good chance of finishing the top ten. So we're going to go back to the the well with William Byron, Willie B. I laugh every time they call him that. Uh, he's got 11 straight top tens now this season, and I mentioned it last week. I'm not getting off this ride until it's done, and until he crashes and burns um, with the top 10 ride. I am going to take him pretty much no matter what the odds are. So not going to stop now. But then you know, you look at it and say, well, you know, Phil, it's a road course. I don't know about old Willie B. In nine starts, he's got four top tens, five if you want to count the clash as well. I think he finished 10th in the clash this year. So before the Daytona road course points paying race this season, all right, he didn't have a good finish there, but he had four straight top 10 finishes. He finished eighth at Watkins Glen in 2019, which This is a a conversation that I'm going to have and and bring this up probably for the rest of the podcast when we're talking about these guys. But, you know, when you're talking about these recent races, it's the Roval and it's Daytona Road Course. But Watkins Glen and Sonoma are, you know, true road courses. And this track that they're going to this weekend is a true road course. There's no Roval or oval part of it. So, I think that that matters how these guys have done more recently at the true full-on road courses. So I like to see that eighth at Watkins, Glen. He's plus eighteen hundred to win the race. I mean, just like Logano, and this he would fit the bill for a kind of a surprise wonky winner. And if you look at his stats, I mean, they're not terrible. Driver rating compared to everyone is ninth on the board. So if you just go out and run ninth, hey, that's a top ten finish for us at minus 112. Sorry, I didn't throw the odds out there to you earlier, but that's what he's going out as at the moment. His average running position is 12.6, so that's right on the cusp of what we're looking for. So if you want to get too frisky plus 1,800 to win the race, go for it. But uh, just to finish in the top 10, I think he can keep this streak alive. It's really crazy how he's got it going, but minus 112 for Willie B in the 24 car. Then the next guy up, Some might see this as kind of a a lazy pick, but I, I really don't think it is. It's Christopher Bell. He's going off at minus 105. I think that's pretty damn good. Now, he only has three cup starts, and the reason why I say some people might not like it is because, or it might be a lazy pick, is because he won the Daytona road course this year. But I don't think that's lazy. I think that's trying to point to someone who might have found some thing that they can cling to when they go to these road courses. And even with being in the 95 car last year and finishing kind of in the 20s, his stats are pretty good with that being considered. I mean, his driver rating is 95.1, which is sixth overall, and his average running position is 8.7. Now, I think the the win earlier this year had a heavy factor in that, but, I mean, that's only one-third of his time there. So uh, that tells you that the driver rating and and average running position really – are pretty good. I mean, that's what we're looking for here. Now, those bad finishes in 2020, okay. You could probably say that it was the 95 car, and then first time out in the 20 car, he goes and gets it done with the win. I like it. You know, JGR speed, hey, the 20 car. He's plus 2,000 to win the race. I don't know. I think I'm not going to go that frisky, but minus 105 to finish in the top 10, I think this is someone who, you know, is having a good season Overall, and hey, last time you were in victory lane, it was at a road course. Why not? I think this makes sense, this pick. So, lock me in for the 20 car, Christopher Bell, minus 105 for a top 10. Now, the last guy that we're going to call out is somebody that I haven't really done this year because I haven't had an opportunity. It's AJ Almendinger, plus 125. And I made a statement earlier this year. He's driving the 16 car. And I made a statement earlier this year when he was driving the road course at Daytona that I am no longer interested in ringers, road course ringers. And I stand by that. I really do. But I don't think A.J. Allmendinger fits the bill of a typical road course ringer. I'm saying that with air quotes. You can't see me. But hear me out. I think what we've seen at Sonoma and Watkins Glen, when we're looking at the Boris Seds of the world, he stands out to me when we talk about road course ringers, is guys that are outside the circuit, that are coming in just for the road course because they've had success elsewhere and, you know, they're supposed to get some of these smaller teams uh, good finishes. Almendinger, I think you can make the case for him not being a ringer because he's competing in the Xfinity series each week. So he is very much in practice. The reason I don't like the ringers is because they're coming in cold. He's not. And now let's dig into him as a driver Recently. So in 2021, he burned me because I think I took him in a head-to-head matchup at the Daytona road course with calling him a ringer. And he finished seventh at Daytona in the 16 car, same car. 2018 was his last road course before that. And in the 47 car, he finished seventh again. At the Roval in the Xfinity series in 2019 and 2020, he's got back-to-back wins. So this is a driver who is well in practice he's just in the lower series and he's coming up because hey he's, he's been naturally good at these tracks so he's not cold he's he's somebody with good stats here i like it he's got a win at watkins Glen, one of those true road courses in 2014 so his career i mean we all know that Almendinger, you know has that history of, of being a good road course racer so i like it plus 125 i think that value is off I think that he definitely. I mean, because when you're talking about a, a brand new track with all of those things that we mentioned, that the the practice or the test run guys were saying, Almendinger, with that career and that career history, I think he's going to be able to get used to it quicker than some of these other guys. The only other thing that i'm going to call out around Almondinger is that he is in a head-to-head matchup this week as a big-time underdog plus 100 that gets my attention he's going up against austin cindrick so two guys who don't normally compete in the cup series are going head-to-head and cindrick has had a ton of success on road courses and just in general in the xfinity series where he faces off against Almondinger basically every single time so Sindrick is the heavy favorite He's in what you can consider better equipment in a Penske-affiliated fourth car. Um, so that's why he's there. But if you really do love Almondinger's stats and his history, might be worth a shot at the plus 100 number because, to me, it should be like even odds. It should be kind of a 50-50 split. But uh, the plus 100 gets my attention. So just something else to think about when you're looking at the Dinger. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goal. So now we'll get to the head-to-head section where we are red hot. Like I said, coming off a 3 0 week from last week's podcast, and this week we've got a lot of good matchups out there. Depending on the sports books that you're looking at, there's a bunch of different matchups that we might not have normally seen, and um, there are some where they're taking a lot of big names and just switching the big names in and out, like Hamlin versus Truex, Hamlin versus Chase, Hamlin versus Kyle. Um, other sports books. Keep it pretty simplistic where it's just looking at one driver per matchup and not getting a repeat name. And in those sports books, you sometimes see some different matchups and DraftKings has given us three matchups that I'm going to go off of this week of guys that we haven't really talked about going head to head against each other. And so we're going to dig deep a little bit here and see if we can keep the success rolling. Now, I mentioned earlier qualifying is happening the day of the race, so This is tough for gamblers because, like I said, they take the bets down most of the time during qualifying. So you really have to place your bets on these guys ahead of time. But qualifying sometimes means everything. Like we said, guys finishing or starting outside the top 20, rather, haven't won the race uh, more than twice on road courses. So qualifying is a major factor. The question is if you love one of these matchups and You really want to put a bet down on them, but you want to see where these guys are starting. A, you're not going to get the same odds. And B, you're running the risk of the sportsbooks not putting the bets back up before the race. It's happened before uh, when qualifying was an every week thing. So let's just call that out. Just be weary if you are going to wait for qualifying. The fact that it's the day of, I understand wanting to wait because we want to see how these guys are on a brand new track, but the sportsbooks might not be quick enough. So let's get to our first matchup, and we're looking at two guys who are not typically matched up against each other. It's Eric Almirola versus Daniel Suarez. This is an even minus 115 matchup, and the stats don't typically show that. When you're looking at these two guys head-to-head, looking through their career history over the last like nine races or so, uh, it really is swinging one way when you're looking at the data. So that makes you wonder, why is this an even matchup? So we're going to talk this out here. Eric Almarola, in his last nine road course starts, his average finish is 15.7. No top fives, two top tens. His driver rating is 73.4. And all of those things are better than Daniel Suarez. So that's what I was saying. If you're just looking at the data, one of these guys stands out, and it's Eric Almarola. He's 6-2 and two, head-to-head if you're looking at the career records when they're on the track at the same time in the last eight races against Suarez. So why are the odds even? That's the thing. Because if you're looking at Suarez's numbers now, his average finish in those nine starts is 19.6 and his driver rating is 69.9. I really don't like taking guys with driver ratings below 70, but, you know, kind of here we are right now. So those numbers aren't good, but his best finish is fourth on a road course in the last nine races. That was at Watkins Glen. And that's better than what Eric Amarola's was um, in that time as well. So Eric's best road course finish in the last nine races has been eighth. I'm not saying that that's, that is a huge deal, something to put all your chips in the center for, but uh, he, he's got a top five and Amarola does not have one of those. And The other thing is that Suarez has been doing that with multiple teams over his career, whereas Almirola has been part of that 10 team for quite a while now, when you're looking at these last nine races. So this season, Suarez at the Daytona Road Course beat Almirola by one spot, 16 to 17. So when we talked about that six to two record, well, one of those Suarez victories head to head came this season, 2021. So the key factor here I think the reason these odds are even is because of the bad luck of Eric Almirola and his 2021 season. And then you look at Suarez and the fact that Trackhouse is really inching their way forward, getting better each week, it seems like. They're learning as they go and they're getting better. But you think about Almirola then for a second. It's the, the just down on their luck, bad finishes, nothing can go right. And when I'm thinking about... Almirola in this matchup and heading into Coda, I'm thinking about uh, a baseball player who's in a slump, right? And how are you going to get out of a slump? Well, you got to just keep grinding, keep moving forward, keep focusing. You can't look back. But then imagine you're in a O for whatever slump and the pitcher that you're facing today is a knuckleball pitcher, Just, you never know what the hell is going to be coming at you. That's pretty tough to handle if you're in the middle of a slump. Uh, That's what CODA is to Eric Almirola this weekend. I mean, complete unknown. You have no idea what's coming. It's just not the right time for someone who is just having a a rough go. So, because of that, I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez in this matchup, minus 115. Let's lock it in. He's worked out for us a, a few times recently. Uh, in the past few weeks so i'm going to try to keep it going next up we've got matt debettadetto minus 134 taking on cole custer plus 100. now these guys have been on the racetrack four times against each other in road courses and it's a 2-2 series matchup uh, that includes the clash for this year so i like matt debettadetto for the intangibles Uh, you could say, in this matchup. But let's first give our attention to Cole Custer. He's got three points races, and his best finish in that time is ninth. So a ninth place finish within the last year. Obviously, being a rookie last year, he's only got a a couple starts under his belt. Driver rating in that time, though, is pretty solid. 82.5. That's very good. And two top 20s in that time span in those three races. So his lowest finish, or his worst finish, I guess you could say, is 22nd. And I like that. In a head-to-head matchup, you're saying you're not really going to finish outside of the 22? That is not bad, because it gives a little wiggle room for another guy to just have a bad go, get down a couple laps, and not being able to recover. Uh, I like that spectrum. You know, 22 is a good number. Uh, I also typically like the guy who's going off at plus 100. Those odds are very interesting. And He finished 13th earlier this year at the Daytona road course in 2021. He had a top 10 last week. So a lot of good things. If you are a Cole Custer fan, there are a lot of good things that are kind of in his favor uh, when you're looking at this matchup against Matty D. But now let's take a look at Matty D in the last nine races on road courses. His best finish came at Sonoma in fourth place is where he ended up that year. And in that same year, 2019 is what we're talking about here. He had a great road course season. Uh, he finished fourth at Sonoma, like we said. It was his best finish on a road course. And then sixth at Watkins Glen. And he also had a top 10 at the Roval that year as well. So 2019 was a great year for Matt. His average finish on road courses, 17.6. Not great. And his driver rating, also not great, 67.5. That's worse than Cole Custer's was, if you remember a second ago, in 37th earlier this year in the 2021 Daytona road course. Uh, but I really think that Watkins Glen and Sonoma mean something here. Those finishes, I mean, those true road courses, Custer has zero starts on those tracks. And Matty D has had the ability to go to those tracks, learn from it, and clearly has gotten better. I mean, 2019 was the last time we were there, and he was phenomenal. Top tens, and even a top five at Sonoma. So then you look at Custer and the Xfinity history at those tracks, and he's not standing out like someone like Austin Sindrick, right, who is very good in these road courses. Custer's not that guy. So the fact that Custer has not faced a true road course in the Cup Series, Matt has, I like that. That's kind of what I meant by the intangibles around it. Um, I think that Matty D is favored for a good reason here. And then also, let's talk about this. The the Brad Kozlowski stuff at Penske, he could be one of the winners of this drama that's going on at Penske right now because you have to assume I think that the general public assumes that Austin Sindrick's gonna slide into that two car spot where the previous plan was for Sindrick to take over the twenty one car and Matty D would have been a free agent. Well now De is kind of in a prime position to regain that Wood Brothers 21 car. So, is that less pressure? So, all of this stuff would make a big difference. And then you say, well, less pressure on your shoulders. I like DiBenedetto in the 21 car, minus 134 over the younger Cole Custer at Coda this weekend. So, now the last matchup I have for you. I don't know if you could call this a back-of-the-pack matchup. I think that's disrespectful to these two guys this season for the year that they're having. But it's Michael McDowell, the favorite, minus 129 versus Chris Busher, minus 104. This is one that I really think qualifying is going to matter. Kind of need to see the cars, maybe take a look at practice before you place a bet here and, and hope that it pops back up with the refreshed odds. Uh, but we're going to talk about it nonetheless. So let's start with Michael McDowell because he's a Daytona machine. He's the 500 winner, we know this, but at the Daytona road course, he's had back-to-back top tens, so that makes you think like, wow, you know, this guy can get it done on road courses as well. He had an eighth-plates finish, which was his best road course finish of his career earlier this season and 10th last year. But the thing is, on road courses outside of Daytona, it's really been kind of the the norm of what you would expect to see for Michael McDowell in his career. Um kind of mid-teens, you know, low 20s, as far as the finishes are concerned. He just has a thing with Daytona. I mean, like I said before, he walks into that spot and just becomes a different driver. This is a different scenario, brand new road course, a true road course. Um, His average finish, just looking at his numbers here in the last nine races, 17.9, his drive rating 66.8. Now, this is great. Those numbers have gone up to get to those spots um, so, he's greatly improved from his earlier career to get those numbers. Two top 10s, six top 20s in the last nine races. So, pretty good recently. So, I mean, if you're a Michael McDowell fan, there's stuff to cling to there uh, if you wanted to take him in this matchup. Now, looking at Chris Busher, looking at his stats in the last nine road course starts, he has a top five, a top 10, and nine top 20 finishes. That's 100% of the time finishing within the top 20. That's really good when you're looking at a head-to-head matchup. Kind of like what I was saying earlier about Custer, who had a lowest finish of like 22. If you're finishing inside the top 20, I like that. You know, you can kind of guarantee that to me. I wouldn't hate taking somebody like that. Now, his average finish, all of his stats are better than McDowell. Average finish, 14.3. Driver rating, 70.7. His best finish is fifth at the daytona road course and that's michael mcdowell's spot right we just called out he's great at daytona well busher did it at that place busher has a 5-2 record over the last seven races head-to-head against mcdowell and he's been very good recently this year in 2020 whereas michael mcdowell started out so so hot and has faded a bit the odds kind of make you think, like, what's going on here? Why is McDowell the favorite? So I'm going to go with Chris Busher in this matchup based on his consistency to finishing the top 20 on road courses and his recent success. He's he's ripped off a couple top tens recently, um, had a, a good car last week and didn't shake out the way they would have liked it to uh, at Dover. I like the momentum here. Busher minus 104 is my pick. So let's just recap them all. I'm going Suarez over Almirola minus 115. Matt DiBenedetto minus 134 over Cole Custer. And Chris Busher, the underdog, minus 104 over Michael McDowell. So now to wrap up the episode this week, we've got a great conversation with. My brother in law Frank, he's my resident F1 fan, really the only guy I know who follows F1. Saw this as an opportunity because the F1 circuit goes to Coda. I think this is a great opportunity for anyone in your life who watches F1 to get them to tune into NASCAR and see if you can maybe turn them into a bit of a NASCAR fan. I'm trying to find some common ground here with Frank, maybe. Get him to follow NASCAR a little bit. Can we convert an F1 fan into a mild NASCAR van using the the Coda racetrack as a foundation and gambling a little bit because we do get into some picks that Frank might like as he's getting a NASCAR and he gives us some bonus picks for the F1 race this week at Monaco. So if you want to hear me try to convert an F1 fan into a NASCAR fan, listen up. Here we go. All right, so now we will welcome on to the podcast for the first time our resident Formula One fan, we'll call him F1 Frank, uh, my brother-in-law, Frank. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me. It's uh, super exciting to be on your podcast finally. Feels, feels good.
1: Yeah, well, Frank uh, has his own podcast about kind of – would you call it like nerd culture? We, I've been on many times talking about video games, movies, whiskey. So if you're into that thing, frankly, nerdy is your, uh, your place to go. Um, but been looking for a reason to get you on here. And this is perfect.
0: It's a good weekend for it. Yeah.
1: So I asked you to come on because NASCAR is going to the circuit of America, circuit of the Americas, Coda, and that. Is the first time they've been going, they're going to go there. And F1 goes there every year, basically. Um, that's their trip to the United States. Mm-hmm. That's the track they go to. So I thought it might be interesting to talk to an F1 fan and try to hear out whether or not they'd be interested in watching this race because I'm always, you know, trying to poke at people, try to see if they might become a little bit more interested in NASCAR than they might have realized. And so since this is an F1 track, I figured we could talk about what draws you to F1 and see if there's any similar similarities and, um, you know, any common ground and, and maybe get you to watch the race, if not convert you. What do you think?
0: I mean, it's worth a shot. So <laughs> um, uh, let me start by saying, like, Maybe like six or seven years ago, I thought motorsports were absolutely, all motorsports were terrible. So I am on a route to be swayed by other versions of motorsporting. Formula One, I don't know what what it was initially that drawed me in, but um, I definitely am a fan. I'm not a hardcore fan, but I'm I'm a fan. I watch it as as many Sunday mornings as I can uh, get out of work early enough to watch it. Uh, I'll put it on um and it's funny you were saying COTA is this weekend for nascar and that was originally uh formula one's only track in america and now they just added another one in miami so they'll have two american visits uh i think starting 2022
1: they so, actually pulled that off they're gonna do yeah. the track yeah. around the, yeah, the uh, hard rock stadium
0: uh, yeah <laughs> kind of pretty cool i don't know how that's gonna work out but we'll see i mean yeah it'll be interesting just to see another visit um in the United States. But, uh,
1: so yeah, you don't I... remember the, the, the pinnacle of, or, or the starting point of like, Hey, what got you to, to actually tune in and start to pay attention to the drivers? Cause you're, you know, you are a casual fan. You're not ever going to bill yourself as an expert, but you are very much invested. Like you've got, you know, guys <laughs> that you root for teams that you care about, etc. Um, definitely educated. So you don't remember the the moment or the thing that got you uh, interested.
0: Uh. I would say so I have a friend named Nick and he is I would say he is the hardcore fan. He knows a lot about Formula One and he was the one that always talked about it with me. And I would always make fun of him. Again, motorsports like I always thought motorsports was it's just the car does everything anyone could drive. Obviously, yeah. obviously don't think that anymore. Um, so I guess I, it was like Max Verstappen, who is my favorite driver. Uh, it was his rookie year. I turned on the TV. I said, you know, I'll watch. I'll see if I can get into it. So I was texting him the whole time. And I'm like, oh, I like this dude, Max. He's like he was very aggressive as a rookie, made a lot of mistakes, but I kind of I kind of dug that. Um, so I was like, ah, Max is my dude. And then like each race, he was just so aggressive. And he, he made it interesting, even though it wasn't winning. And a lot of times he, he would wreck or wreck somebody else and get penalties. So he wasn't fantastic, but you could see the hunger. And that, that was really exciting for me. So I think that, that just finding that racer just on a fluke was what drew me in and hooked me in to continue watching year after year. This is probably
1: like four or five years ago. So that's, I think, similar to what most NASCAR fans, I mean, I think that's pretty much what most people would cling to. They find a guy that they can relate to, they cheer for, and then once you have that guy or that team, then you've got a reason to be invested. So that makes sense. So um, I was going to talk more about the race first, but since we're talking about Verstappen, um, I'm trying to, you know, I knew that Max was your guy heading into this. Um, So I've been trying to think of a a guy that you might find, you know, similar on the NASCAR circuit, because if I can get you that guy, um, maybe, you know, there's an interest there each week. Um, so I'm going to talk this out and you tell me if this sounds right. So this year and really for his career, I mean, we'll talk about why F1 and NASCAR are different in a lot of different ways in a second, as far as the racing is concerned, but Verstappen versus Hamilton is always the conversation. And Verstappen to me is the the common, like always the bridesmaid, never the bride type Mm. deal. And in NASCAR this year and a lot in his career, the guy would be Kyle Larson. Um, Kyle Larson finished his second more than anyone I can remember. Um, And that's a bigger deal in NASCAR, I think, than it is in F1 um, because you get that close and and you can't pass. Larson's had a lot of races this year where he's dominated the race and just couldn't close it, just finished his second. they threw a sad at last weekend and say like out of all drivers that are active right now who have been in the top 2 he has like the worst closing percentage to actually get the get the job done so i'm not knocking your boy max no, no, but no. he's a he's a second place guy he's also on a team that's one of the top teams but uh sometimes will get ranked you know depending on on the season and on the i mean most recently they've been behind jgr who are kind of like the you could bill them as the bad guys, depending on who you uh, root for. But I think the casual fan might relate JGR to the Mercedes crew, which is definitely the the New York Yankees, the evil empire, it seems like, oh, God, um, yeah. on the F1 side. So uh, I think there's similarities there. I mean, is that you know resonating with you at all? Do you think you would tune in to, to give him a shot? Or should we keep looking for a couple other guys? Because I have a couple other guys in mind.
0: I mean, I'm intrigued to hear more, but he, he he sounds like a a contender.
1: So, I know that you've gotten into gambling a little bit more recently. Um, he's going off at 1,400 to win the race this weekend. Uh, I you know I'm not, I didn't call him out early on the podcast as a, a guy to win the race because uh, I knew I might bring him up here, and and he's someone that could jump up and and steal one this weekend. So. Uh, just a little nugget for you in case you really want to get invested. But the other thing is when we talked uh, a little while ago, I know Haas got into the F1 game and that intrigued you. They're the only American team. Yeah. And um, you know, for anyone listening, like Frank's been a good sport. He's joined our, our local, like little fantasy NASCAR uh, league that we've had. And, and he's, you know, kind of humored us a little bit. <laughs> um, and you know, the Haas guys, I think it was uh, Kurt Busch driving for Haas at the time. Interest you? Uh, the Haas team is struggling this year. Are they struggling in F one currently? Yeah, they suck. They're ter- <laughs> they're terrible. They don't. Have- I mean, it's tougher for them there because they're trying to get into it, but yeah, it, it is um, tough, especially
0: financially. I think it's tough.
1: So the guy who drives the Haas sponsored car every week for the most part is Cole Custer. He's a younger guy, drives the 41 car. Um, I would, it'd be tough for you to, I mean, unless it kind of sounds like when you joined, uh, up with Verstappen as a rookie, seeing the mistakes, Custer is definitely in that part of his career. Um, and he could shock some people this weekend. He had a good run last week. Um, he could give you a look, but but also Kevin Harvick races for Gene Haas. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing is he's their their flagship uh, driver, so he's the four car. He's probably going off around uh, like plus eight hundred, I think, to win. So those two guys running for Gene Haas. If you wanted to make that you know correlation between the two um, guys to look at. So what I would want is if you do give it a look let me know i'll report back on the podcast next week to see you know if you if you threw any money down if you got uh intrigued by any of these guys watch them
0: yeah uh, i mean i'm kind of liking your larson pick as of right this second if i was yeah. just going off of what i heard but uh yeah i'll definitely probably put money down and i'll definitely let you know
1: if <laughs> that. so let's talk about the actual product on the racetrack um i think it's tough for. I'll, I'll just throw this out there, and you tell me yes or no. I think NASCAR fans have a hard time understanding F1 because, uh, like we'll talk about with Monaco, it, a lot of the time it's just these guys are starting or, or finishing where they're starting, and there's not a lot of passing. The action is very limited. When something does happen, I mean, I've been watching recently because um, it's cool that it's in the morning time when there's a pass they replay that pass like 1600 times after that yeah um yeah and the announcers like get all into it i they love the announce. announcer yeah the i love them
0: definitely awesome
1: nascar uses him sometimes um on road courses when it's the nbc who the um, uh young broadcast. Br- will buxton or whatever yeah one? i'm pretty sure okay. that's him yeah the main play-by-play guy yeah um so nascar fans are like well there's no passing and that's ridiculous Whereas F1 fans kind of just poo-poo NASCAR because it's a stock car, it's slower, it's less, I think they would say it's less uh, talent, I guess, uh, just going in circles, that sort of thing. So would you agree with that, those kind of lines in the sand and, and uh, as like a starting point for this conversation? Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to kind of mention is like, I think one of the biggest things for me personally is like, it is an oval it's this it like you could point out any track to me and i wouldn't know the difference i wouldn't understand it as like a person who watches every now and then whereas as a fan of f1 each track is distinct and it has unique turns and characteristics and i think that kind of turns me on um it kind of helps me be interested like you said though the downfall of formula one is, Hey, the guy who's in pole position one is going to finish in first place, uh, like 99% of the time. So it it is frustrating. And I don't, I don't know what they can do to fix that, but I would say you're pretty spot on.
1: Does that make qualifying day almost like as entertaining as race day for an F1 fan?
0: Yeah. Qualifying it is super important, especially for like, certain races like Monaco being one of them, Monaco is a race that's tougher to overtake on. So it is kind of like whatever you, wherever you are is where you'll be. Um You know, which isn't it that that kind of allows other strategies to come into play, like tire management and pit stop strategy, stuff like that, which adds a different element of excitement. If you look, if you'd like to get into the real technical stuff, but uh as far as like racing and passing and, that doesn't happen as crazy uh, at Monaco.
1: Okay. So I can tell you, like NASCAR has that same type of tire strategy, pit cycle, trying to get off cycle with yellow flags and such. Like there's definitely strategy into it, no matter whether on oval or a road course. Um, so if you are someone listening who, you know, likes F1, um, there is, that in nascar too now i think nascar is seeing a lot of success with f1 like f ones getting a, a lot of ratings i would say recently um and nascar has seen the success in their own circuit with their road courses so this year they added seven road courses to the schedule the, wow. the most they've ever had before that frank was two Sonoma out on the West coast in wine country and Watkins Glen um, up in New York. That's it. They had success during COVID. Uh, Actually, no, they added the Roval in uh, Charlotte. So they turned their oval track into like a half Roval, half road course. um, And that, so that made it three technically. And that when they did that a couple of years ago, got a ton of positive feedback. So this year, because COVID completely blew everything up, NASCAR people just be like, okay, let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. That's how COTA got involved. Um, They're going to another brand new track, I believe, later this year, as well as the ones we just mentioned. So I think they're going after people like you who don't really understand the ovals, but will possibly tune in to see how they handle these distinct racetracks, this F1 track being one of them, in hopes that you like what you see there and then you would learn kind of more about the game, even if you just tuned into the first four road courses that are up next and skip the others. Eventually, I think the hope would be that you start maybe tuning into maybe a short track, which is very exciting. And you learn the the reasons why. Is that something that you think you'd get sucked into? Or you know maybe that's just they're barking up the wrong tree.
0: No, I think that I think it's it, it is a great idea. I mean, they're appealing to you already have the NASCAR fans who like NASCAR, just lock stock. And then if you add something like a track with actual differentiating turns and stuff like that, that could get, you know, IndyCar racer fans that could get Formula One fans. Um, I do think it is a great idea. And like you said, even if I watch like one or two and I see like I, I get hit by like that one driver who I'm like, holy oh shit, this dude's cool. Maybe I see an interview where he says something funny that I like or appreciate, like who knows? And then I'm sucked in and then I'm buying merch and then I'm, you know, exactly. so I think it is a great idea. I mean, why not? And like you said, COVID kind of like, you know, made a lot of businesses kind of just start throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. And a lot of businesses are taking chances. And I think, uh, I think this risk could pay off.
1: So it sounds <laughs> like, um, like you said at the beginning, you're definitely possibly could be persuaded. I would love for you to watch the race this week. Um, so when you tune in to watch, uh, this weekend, if, if that does happen, um, aside from the interviews and, and stuff like that on the, the racetrack, what types of things are you just kind of going in blind seeing how these guys handle a stock car on a completely different track is there something specific as far as the racing is concerned that you're like looking to learn about or, or you're hoping to see or anything like that um if you were to tune into this race uh, i wouldn't say that I anything can anything
0: specific i would say i've never actually uh, i don't know if i've ever watched a road course maybe like or once or twice So I don't have like a distinct memory. So I'd actually just genuinely be curious how their cars handle stuff like that and how they manage if the tires are different. Like, I don't, I have no idea how they even strategize for that type of race. So I think I would just go in more curious and to see the result where I've seen oval courses. And it's like, for me, it's, it's tough to like get sucked in. So Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to see if this could pull me in enough to, at least uh, watch the road courses every year, even seven yeah. races a year Maybe. or whatever.
1: If there's <laughs> seven of them, that's like one fifth of the season. So I think that would put more eyes on it than uh, they have currently. So I think it's a good strategy. The couple things that I give props to F1 for is the fact that the race itself is like a nice, neat two hours. Um, it's much shorter than a NASCAR race most of the time um, from what I've seen um you know nascar races can go on and on and on which as a fan i actually love like especially a night race i hope night races go from like 8 p.m to like 2 a.m because i just love drinking and watching it but um for a morning time race f1 has their shit together where it's like pretty much you know 9 to 11 and that's it you know what i mean and it's nice and compact
0: is uh yeah i agree with you um like to me, Formula One's like very like European. Like, I don't know, it has that that appeal of like not American, where it's like we start this time exactly. Like they have the Rolex Wallace <laughs> yeah, <like> like, <laughs> ticked over. Like it's, it's like insane. Um yeah. does NASCAR do something like that? Like, is it like it's you know, whatever the time is, we start now, like no, that, no matter what. NASCAR's <laughs> kind of just I, like, hey, around this time kind of thing.
1: You would if you are a fan of that, you would not <laughs> be a fan of NASCAR, because they'll say that it starts at two 30, then there's pre-race, you know, ceremony and pre-game or pre-race show. And then the, they fire the engines and they do pace laps and, you know, all this stuff. Um, so when you actually are looking at the start time, it could say two 30 this weekend, you, you want to look at the green flag time that usually is dead on, but it's not a big ceremony to hit that time at all. Um, so, That's funny that you say that because that's the complete opposite, I I would say. I think most NASCAR fans would agree with that. Um, The other thing is this Netflix show. NASCAR is missing the boat here. Um, I've tuned in to watch this Drive to Survive on Netflix. They've got three seasons out there. They've got the 2020 season out now. And it makes me really frustrated because I feel like if NASCAR had a, a show like this, they'd be getting the casual people to pay attention more like i'm sort of paying attention to f1 partly because of you and partly because of this show and nascar is meanwhile in the entertainment part of things dealing with kevin james in a dumbass sitcom um around the nascar pit crew (laughs) like that is such a waste of time and money yeah this is what they need
0: yeah and it's basically free i mean sending (laughs) camera guys to just record stuff i mean do your normal thing and then edit it later. I mean, they take the whole season off to edit it and then formula One drops it at the beginning of the new season, basically to get you hype. And I will say like that show, like I watch, I watch, you know, almost every race, uh, unless I'm working Sunday morning or something. So I'll watch pretty much every race, but watching the behind the scenes and, and seeing the, you know, driver's, what they actually think of the other drivers and what they actually think about the contracts and deals coming up and stuff like that. It it adds a whole new element. It's almost like, you know, a reality TV show, like where you get hooked into all the minutia. Um, Exactly. So it is really cool. And it actually made me this year. I don't want to like, I don't know how much you watch, but there's a driver Valtteri Bottas and for Mercedes, he's the second guy to Lewis Hamilton and his episode made me respect him so much and now i kind of like roof for him a little bit because i really don't like lewis hamilton but i didn't really like botas until i saw that episode and i was like holy shit like this dude i, I respect him a lot he's like a, a man's man kind of thing it was it was interesting
1: that is interesting and you know nascar would have the same deal you know there's news that we talked about earlier in the episode that went down with the driver and, and his contract shifting teams and all that if that shit was documented my yeah. god like it's a re, it's a reality tv show for sports fans it's, like it's it's it doesn't matter what sport no it brainer. really is it is no brainer um and it's funny because you say that about botos and and i've seen um my first gut reaction is to say to you, well what about an episode about hamilton with that swing but I know for a fact that just watching it, he just comes off as the bad guy. Uh, yeah. Even though he's great, like the things he's that he great. does. He's, just he's a LeBron you.
0: James, man. Like, unless LeBron James plays for your team, you yeah. do not like LeBron James. That's he's true. great. He's the greatest. He's, he's great. But, mm-hmm. he, I mean, you're not going to like the guy. He wins every – all the time. So,
1: Well, let's talk about that. Since we have you and it's a gambling podcast, give us um, something. I mean, Hamilton and Verstappen – there's a, a crazy bet out there where, you know, when you're looking oh. at bets to win the race, it's you could bet on a random driver for sure and cash yeah. in, but it's not going to happen. You could bet on Hamilton versus Stappen and then anybody else <laughs> at plus 400. That's so, a
0: no-brainer, by the way. <laughs> That's a no-brainer unless something crazy um, happens at qualifying. I mean...
1: So, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot and say Verstappen versus uh, Hamilton because that seems to go especially this year like back and forth each week but yeah um what do you what do you have as far as some some juice to go off of here uh
0: okay so here's uh, obviously hamilton and verstappen i do i would put on podium um i am interested to see what max does because his car is much better this year and he's racing better so you know who knows with that but as far as monaco goes um daniel ricardo from mclaren is very good at monaco he is really good at monaco in fact he should have won twice um in 2016 they botched one of his pit stops and lewis hamilton ended up winning Ricciardo ricardo would have won that if they didn't botch the pit stop in 2018 he actually did win his if if i'm remembering correctly his car was struggling so his power he couldn't drive as fast as he's supposed to, but Monaco is so hard to pass on. So he just kept fending off wow. anyone from passing him. And I, I think it was Ferrari right behind him, like pissed off because he's not driving fast, but there was just no opportunity to overtake. Um, and he won that year, 2018. So I, I think Daniel is like that sleeper guy like the, who could Podium Monaco with a McLaren car. So if I was going to go like wild, I haven't watched uh, qualifying yet. Obviously, I would say Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, and
1: Daniel Ricardo. on podium. So, so Just if you're out car. there yeah. looking for something to bet on, um, it would be in your best interest to pay attention to qualifying. If Ricardo is up in that top five area he's a you know must bet for the the podium finish top three i guess i would would bet
0: yeah i would say i mean he's got the skill so and he has some secret to that track i don't know what it is because he he shouldn't have been that i don't know it's hard to describe but he he knows something i guess about that track so it'd be fun just to see hey can he do it again in a different with a different team so just be a fun bet it's a logical bet just based off previous years and I don't know. So we'll see. uh,
1: He's plus 500 to finish on the podium. So I like that. And then he's also head to head versus Lando Norris, which um, I might be interested in that, you know, based on what you're saying. Lando is
0: good. So that, that, that'll be interesting too.
1: But I mean, you sold me on, on Ricardo um, (laughs) on Monaco. So I like, I mean, I'm going to definitely bet bet him. So we'll see what happens. Cool. Well, um, Frank, You know, if you can find time on on Sunday after the F1 race to to watch Coda, please do let us know. And if you want to uh, give Frank any advice for uh, what to watch for on Sunday, um, you can follow him on Instagram. Frankly Nerdy is the Instagram account for his podcast. Give him a follow on there. Give him some chirps. Let him know what to to look for. Yeah. So,
0: Frank. Thanks. And I'll I'll definitely uh, tune in. So. I'll let you know how it how it is and maybe you got a new fan on your side
1: all right i love it all right appreciate it frank yeah thanks phil well that's going to do it for another episode of the full tank with phil podcast thanks so much to frank for joining us we'll see if we can turn him into a nascar fan yet make sure you go out place those bets this weekend before qualifying in case you lose them and give those Monaco bets a look that Frank gave us those tips on. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week for the Coke 600.